Let's stand together, open our Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, we'll read verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, your life verse should not be part A of that verse. We walk in the flesh. That's not your goal in life. Just talking about our battle with the flesh, although saved, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The question tonight is, who is living there now? Say, Pastor, what's that have to do with the text? We'll see here at the end. Casting down imagination, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. The Bible here tells us very clearly, explaining the battle, the battlefield, the battle plan, and the battle we understand is spiritual. We talk about the spiritual life and the struggles of the spiritual life. God's purpose in our lives is to please Him, to win souls. And we know that all starts right here in the mind. How many say, preacher, for me, it's not a battle at all. I'm one of those, never, never dealt with a battle of mine. And God's going to give us a little bit of help here. Uh, we understand our adversary, Satan, is much more brutal than the psychopath, Putin. And as we watch the news this week, and we saw everything unfolding in Ukraine, you're thinking, how is it that kids are dying, innocent people, buildings being blown up, a nation that was just sitting there minding its own business is suddenly suffering at the hands of a psychopath who is unpredictable and who knows how far this will go and how many people will have to die. But ultimately, his goal is to occupy, set up a puppet government, and any kind of death and devastation that is left in its wake is no concern at all. And Christians, we have a more dangerous enemy than Putin. And we live almost unaware. As spiritual leaders, we need to be very aware that Satan is much more dangerous as a foe than any crazy world leader in, during any time in world history. And in your home and with your children, we must live aware that the danger is real, the battle is real, and our battle uh, is not against flesh and blood. That's often the way we see it. And we put a name, a name tag on the battles that we fight and put a person's face there. But at the end of the day, we're fighting our flesh, we're fighting this world, and we're fighting Satan. And his only purpose is to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's not coming to tickle. He's not coming to bother you. He's not coming to upset you. He's not coming to anger you. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. To cause as much damage as possible. Look what it says in verse 5. What's, here's, here's the real question. What is the battlefield? The battlefield has always been for the mind. Casting down what? Imaginations. Every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought. Now, Satan knows I can control the Christian. If, if God's purpose is to get you to do His will, Satan's purpose is the same. To get you to do everything but God's will. To get, get you to do Satan's will. 
you do understand that the majority of Christians are not doing God's will. If we were doing God's will, the world would be evangelized, churches would be planted, people would be living holy lives. And the issue is that Satan is gaining more and more footholds, more and more strongholds. We look at strongholds in terms of the world as addictions, alcohol, drugs, cigarette, adultery, homosexuality. And in order to do that, what we're doing is keeping the finger off our own sins and our own minds and our own thoughts. Satan knows, end of the day, your thoughts are the starting point for everything in life. Your attitudes, behavior, choices all starts right in the mind. Nothing moves forward. Your, your spirit in the morning, God said, is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts control your emotions. Your emotions determine your actions. And we could give a dozen illustrations, but at the end of the day, for those that are older, you have an ache or a pain, and you line up at a point with the doctor, and whatever they try at first doesn't work. So then they send you to a specialist and say, it could possibly be one of three things. A horrific, life-altering disease, cancer, or... <coughs> and you're like, okay, don't leave me hanging. What? Death in the next 30 days. Your mind begins to play out all the scenarios. <laughs> and here's what happens. What starts in your mind, suddenly you wake up depressed. I don't want to tell the kids, but I'm going to be dead in 30 days. And it's going to be painful. I have to write my will and say my goodbyes. And by the time you get to the doctor's office, you're all shook up. And he says, oh, that little blue spot looks like a bruise. And you might have twisted your ankle and pretty much you're good to go. Take a couple aspirin and you'll be fine. But your mind just dangled you right over the cemetery <laughs> for a week. <coughs> and you were already saying goodbye, and you'd written out your will, <coughs> and you, you just invested $250 in Rocket Lawyer. <laughs> get everything prepared for your last days. Amen? Yeah. Our thoughts, it's amazing what our thoughts can do. How many of you have ever hurt a friendship or you thought a friendship was hurt because you let your imagination run wild and then when you sat down and talked things out you realized it was just a big misunderstanding but because you let your mind go you stirred up your emotions and regrettably as much as we talk about the word of god being our foundation and the word of god being our guide the bottom line is whatever thoughts we have that provoke whatever emotions we feel ultimately determine the direction we take. I don't know how many people claim to be Bible believers, live right, do right, and then they reach a point in life where suddenly they feel something contrary to the Word of God. They felt like doing right until their child turned to 18 and suddenly is living a different lifestyle. And now they feel the loyalty to their child over their understanding of the Word of God, and it's determined now their choices. That, that's not a single thought. It's not a single moment. It's a lot of imaginations that should have been cast down that were not. And Satan says, if I can make their mind my playground, I win every time. 
And until we say, I'm going to understand, is a born-again child of God, here's what I'm convinced of. We know out of the heart proceed in Mark, and then a list of sins is revealed. Horrific sins, everything from murder to fornication, theft, it's all there on the list. But when you're born again, you're given a new nature. I I don't want to dispute this or argue with you, but... God puts new things in our hearts and in our minds. Now, Satan's still at work to take control of the ground that God has taken control of. And here's what he'll do. He'll make sure to get those thoughts into your heart and mind. And that depression that you might feel, there are Christians that have felt suicidal thoughts. Something from Satan brought that to your heart and mind and planted that inside of you because you're a born again child of God. That's not coming from the heart and mind that God has given you. Anger, anxiety, lust, bitterness, all of the above. Let let me just say this, young people, this is important for you to learn. You have little control over the thoughts that enter your mind. You have very little control. But you do have total control over the thoughts that stay there. So all day long, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, the voices you're hearing, the people you're around, the environment you're in, all of these are producing thoughts. You drive down the road, there's a billboard that says Cracker Barrel. And you think deliciousness. In an old schoolhouse, I can step back in time. Have you ever sat in a Cracker Barrel and thought, I sure hope a tornado doesn't hit. Because they got like sickles on the wall and arrows and glass. Man, this is a dangerous place to be in a windstorm. Do you see where we're going? Every place you go provokes a different thought. You've never been provoked with that thought. But you were thinking, I wonder how many of these little bottles of marmalade I can stuff in my purse and get to my house. Free jam. <laughs> Amen. Some of you need to relax and have a good time tonight. Because you've stuffed some of that jam in your purse. Everything provokes a different thought. It, it wasn't like tonight on your way to church, you were thinking about ugly houses, but you saw the sign, we buy ugly houses. And then you thought, I wonder if they buy mine. <laughs> Is mine an ugly house? What fits the category? I've seen a few of those. I wish they'd buy my neighbors. Fix them up and resell those. It, you're supposed to be putting your mind on God, but that one moment rearranged your thought process. And that's the whole course of your day. So you can't, young people, you can't stop every thought that comes into mind. Because everything you see and read and hear is going to provoke a different thought. And for every person, it's going to provoke something uniquely different. So you can't do that. You you don't get to determine your day, your circumstances, unless you walk around with your eyes closed and your ears stopped up and you're going to be walking in a lot of walls and frustrated at school and your teacher is going to hate you for trying that even if it's your mom that's trying to teach you, 
you can't live like that. So as soon as you open your eyes, open your ears, guess what's going to happen? Thoughts are provoked. But you can't say, it may provoke a thought, but I'm going to develop the spiritual habit of saying, I've got to figure out which one of these thoughts immediately need to be cast down. And so here's the question tonight, who is living there now? Living where? In your mind. The mind is, is, is a dwelling place. Now, here's, here's what you can't do. We have changed uh, locations now. And when we were here in the city, oftentimes there were people that come up and knock on the door, salesmen. And we got meat in the box. I'm not suspicious about you hauling around meat in the back of your truck and selling it in the boatload if your name is Johnson. But if your name's not Johnson, then I am suspicious. And you know what? I, I couldn't determine who knocked on my door, but I could determine who I let in my house. And young people, there are going to be a lot of thoughts daily that come and knock on your door. A lot of times we'd peek through the blinds and you, you take a look and at that moment you make a determination. Does this person look sketchy, shady? Do I really want to open the door? You know they're really shady if you open up the blind and there are eyes looking right at your eye. <laughs> I think I'm going to let him in. But you gauge based on that moment, is there someone I want to open up the door for? And then even if you say, I'll crack the door, but I'm not going to give them an invitation into my house. And even if you give them an invitation to your house, you're not going to give them an invitation to dwell there. And young people, here's where so many lose the spiritual battle. The thought comes and knocks, and this is what we call oppression. Okay. If, if that person that you didn't want to come into your house comes back every day, or let's say they come back every hour and knock again, now that's a problem. It's called oppression. There, there are people here that face spiritual oppression because that thought of anger knocks every day. That thought of lust knocks every day, or that thought of frustration, that thought of Bitterness, that thought of, it's there knocking every, it's oppressive in its behavior. At some point, that knocking becomes a serious frustration. And some, instead of battling the oppression and saying, I'm going to keep the door shut, open the door and say, you know what? You might as well bring in your bags. We'll give you a bedroom and you can stay here. Now, all of us at some point have given residence to the wrong thought. That was one that we should have kept outside, didn't keep outside. What affects our thoughts? I'd say number one, environment. So whatever environment you're in, spiritual leaders, this is why you need to determine the environment of your home, determine the environment of your children, and develop in them an awareness of environment understanding how this is going to affect your minds. This is why we provide Christian education. This is why we provide Bible college. This is why we provide regular church services. This is why we promote family devotions, personal devotions, 
because you want to protect your mind, the best way to do that. How many of you ever had spiritual battle, emotional struggle, and you just said, I need to listen to some of the word of God. I need to find my Bible. I need to, I need to pray. It's like there's a spiritual barrier immediately built. I, I need to listen to some Christian music. You're saying, my, my mind is slipping, and I, I got to get this fixed real quick. I, I don't need to spend a day in depression. I don't need to spend the next month in this frame of mind, I want to make sure I feel myself, and whether that's scripture memorization, you know the tactic, the weapons of our warfare are not what? They're not carnal, but spiritual, to the pulling down of strongholds. I have to use the word of God to address what keeps knocking on this door, but here's the problem. If we don't control our environment, we make it extremely difficult to control our minds. So, we say our kids ought to control their minds. And then we put them in an environment that is godless. We put them, uh, Psalms 1 says, Blessed is that man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the, in the seed of the scorner. Here's, here's what happens when we refuse to avoid those kind of environments. The next thing you know, Satan has made a stronghold out of our mind. I've watched good kids turn socialistic in their thinking because they thought, I'm going to go through four years of psychobabble in this public institution, and the end of the day, it's not going to affect me. Well, guess what? If it were osmosis alone, you're going to be, as much as you come in with a mindset of resistance... Sooner or later, when you're hearing Bible principles attack and the worldliest philosophies uh, constantly being promoted, it is going to affect your thinking process. And this is why you've got to say, I want to determine the environment that I'm in, that my kids are in. You've got, this is even in work situations. At some point, you may say, I, I may have to change companies. I, I may, thank God, for those that can work remotely, thank God, one of the few advantages of COVID over the past few years, less time in an office and more time at home, working from home, where it's just a better, cleaner, safer environment. If you work alone, you got to thank God for that. But to allow your children to be in an environment where they've not built up the spiritual strength, the spiritual fortitude, or the resistance, you're... Satan is already wanting half the, the battle simply because you put them in the wrong environment. You say, I'm strong. No, you're not, you're not as strong as you think. When you get into an environment that oppressive, that hateful of everything that is good and right and godly, you realize you're not as strong as you think. We have to protect the environment that we're in. Those are wrong voices, wrong teachers, wrong music, wrong friendships. You name it. And for a Christian to choose. Never understood a, a Christian that seeks out another bitter person or another bitter Christian. And, and spends hours in that kind of environment. A Christian that's putting on the world's music and filling their minds with the garbage of this world and thinking that they're going to withstand Satan's attack. It's impossible. I'd say your experiences affect 
your thoughts. I want to be very careful and discerning when I say this. A lot of people in here, in your youth, have been hurt, some physically abused, some sexually abused, some emotionally abused. You suffered some kind of abuse. And here's what happens. Satan will gain a stronghold, and even after salvation, even after forgiveness, and even after we're supposed to be transformed, Romans 12, 2, by the what? Renewing of the mind. And here's what God wants to do. He wants to renew the mind. Yes. And, but Satan doesn't want to do that. Satan wants you to hold on to whatever you felt or suffered or the hurt of the past so he can ruin your future. Remember, once again, what's he want? He wants to keep you from being used of God. So if you're supposed to be soul winning, you're supposed to be encouraging uh, those that are down, you're supposed to be discipling, you're supposed to be uh, helping others in a different ministry. If he's playing with your mind, you can't even show up in a frame of mind to help someone else. And Satan knows that. And it's not a coincidence if you've got a Sunday morning ministry that he's playing with your mind early Sunday morning or late Saturday night to keep you from performing on a spiritual level. And if he, you've got to shut that door in, ladies, let me, let me help you out. For a lady, it's much more difficult. 90% of the time, it's more difficult for a lady than for a man because they're just... More home hormones that affect your emotions. And Satan says, hey, I'm just going to move in tonight and play with your mind. And you will have bad dreams and crazy thoughts and wake up with all kinds of emotions. And you're saying, where in the world did this come from? And you'll turn over and look at your husband and say, from you. Nope, he's not Satan. He may look like him. You have to say, I've got to be careful that I'm not allowing the environment that I have chosen or the experiences of life that I have suffered. And everyone in here has had some kind of experience that they could drag along. And... I don't want to minimize anyone's experience. There's some extreme people suffering ex- extreme circumstances in their past and, and anything can trigger a, a thought process in their mind. And you've got to say, by the grace of God and with the help of God, I've got to develop a pattern in a habit of my life of saying, you may knock on the door and you may knock on the door 50 times in a day and you may be oppressive but I'm not letting you in. You may be demanding five seconds or five minutes of my time, but I'm getting in the Word of God, I'm playing some Bible, I'm putting on Christian music, I'm going to have a conversation with someone stronger in the faith. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Shut that door, lock that door, bolt that door, and say, you're not coming in. Because here's a bigger issue. Most of us are not professional actors and we're not really good at disguising our emotions and others can look at our faces and say, they're in turmoil, they're sad, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're happy. 
say, Pastor, how do I fix my face? You've got to fix your thoughts. Because your thoughts are producing emotions that are revealed in your countenance. Boy, he looks rebellious. That's his thought process. His eyes look dark. That's caused by... Your eyes are a revelation of your thoughts. And whether that's your environment or your experience or, hold on, the one we spoke about, your eye gate, whatever you've allowed into your mind. And this is why you just avoid certain places. How are you going to... Now, guys didn't like malls anyway. I've got to see this. How many of you guys say, not me, I'm the exception. I've always loved malls. Good. Who scared me there for a minute. thought I was going to have to church someone tonight. How many of you realize that the mall's 20 years ago, totally different place. You just got to go in there. It's just ridiculous. The weather in Austin, it's competition in Austin to see how few clothes you can wear outdoors six months out of the year. So here's what you got to do. You got to say, they're just places I don't go. They're just things I don't, I don't do because I want to protect the gates of my heart and the gates of my mind, ear gates, eye gates. So here's the problem. If, if you're just functioning, you got to go to work. You, you're going to be driving around. You'd go to the store, whatever you're doing. Every single day, there's going to be it's something that shouldn't be in your mind that's introduced to your eye gate. And if you're not establishing the habit, young people, in your youth, you need to establish, parents, you need to help your young people, your children, establish the habit of guarding their gates. Now, here's what I love about the move. So number one, you move out into the country, you're distant from a lot of the homelessness and the vendors and the activity of the neighborhood and the thieves and Devin and Sarah. And <laughs> now, actually, they were the blessings in the neighborhood. But what you have with a move now is you're in the country, you're more isolated, and there's a big gate and a code so the key is, if, if you don't want the wrong people knocking on the door, you get a big fence, a big gate, and a big dog. Mostly problem solved. How many of you have a big gate, big dog, and very few people knocking on your door? It's a wonderful thing. But if you have a big gate and a big dog, that's a good way to keep people off your front door. Now, if you do this in the spiritual sense, And you say, I've got to set up a gate and a guard and a dog that says, I'm protecting my... Ladies, the most important thing you can protect is your mind. Young men, the most important thing you can protect is your mind. That's what we protect the least. We protect a $20 bill better than we protect our minds. We protect our, our wallets. Now, everyone is selling these newfangled wallets. They're supposed to protect your credit card. Because now if you walk by the wrong person and they've got a credit card reader and they can steal your image, yeah, skim you or scam you or whatever it is. <laughs> steal your identification so they rip you off and you pay $20 for something that looks like it's an old piece of leather. 
but you take safety precautionary measures to say that's a value. A credit card is a value because if it gets stolen, I'm going to have a big headache. And if we protect a credit card, if we protect a gold coin or a $20 bill, I've watched people, you know, you start talking, you're in the middle of a conversation, and they're playing around with their wallet. You're like, what is he doing? They finally, they pull out a $2 bill. Check this out. You're like, oh, wow, $2. Look at you. You're a real saver. Hope you got a bank account. Isn't it amazing what we protect? And with our mind, there's no protection at all. If I can't understand the parents that open up the eye gate to all the garbage that's on television and all the garbage that's on internet and all the garbage that's on social media and think their child is going to avoid the damage that's been done by each one of those negative, we're not talking about negative, I shouldn't use the word negative, extremely wicked, vile, sinful. Everything about them is going to permeate the eye gate and go into their mind, and the problem is those five minutes are going to last five years. And those conversations and everything else that comes with that because we refuse to protect our Eye gate. And here's what happens. Young people, every day, I wish I could say it was only going to be once a week or once a month or once a year. But Sammy, every single day, a wrong thought in a different form is going to come knock on the door of your mind. And you got to say, no. Here's, talk about the battle. This is the battlefield, your, your mind And here's what God does. He gives us a way out. He gives us a battle plan. Look what he says. What do you do? Casting down imaginations. Now, here's here's what I do. I have a weak stomach. We were sitting at a restaurant the other day, and someone brought something up. I literally, I try to be very discreet, I just stepped back, said, I'm going to step into the bathroom. I walked, I had to walk outside. I would have thrown up if I had not gotten fresh air. Literally, the conversation triggered something in me physically where I said, if I don't get fresh air, I'm going to unload. That was so disgusting. What just, I had to cast it down. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if that which was evil, wicked, and sinful was so repulsive that our initial reaction was, i got to cast this down. It says bringing every thought, every thought into captivity to the what? The obedience of Christ. Any high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I, I like what one man said. He said, your mind is like the holy of holies. That's... God's presence there and any evil thought that you bring in is like bringing an idol into God's dwelling place, his holy of holies. It's a desecration. So if it can't be submitted to God or submitted to Christ, 
it needs to be cast down. And young people, here's, here's what happens. You're going to see people in life, when it's not cast down, it becomes a sin. And if it's not confessed as a sin, it becomes a repetitive habit that eventually creates a stronghold in that life of that person, which is either perverse thinking or bitterness or you name the sin. But those stronghold sins in the life of a person didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen because they knocked on the door once or twice. It happened because there was finally an invitation where a person said, um, come, come with me, Mr. Anger, because uh, I've never really liked Stuart anyways. And I asked him to fix my truck and... Instead of fixing it, he broke the latch on my hood, and then my hood blew up and broke my windshield, and then he never offered to pay for all the damage done to my car. Still ticks me off. Every time I see the truck, I see Stuart, that knucklehead. You know what? I enjoy your presence so much. Why don't you just come stay with me? And I wake up, I just say, I got to see Stuart a couple times a week at church. Man, I hate that guy. You know what I mean? He claims to be all spiritual and everything. Yeah. You know the only reason Kaya likes him? Because she doesn't know what kind of scumbucket he is. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys getting it? This does not change until there's a casting down. A boy that big doesn't flow like a butterfly. Until there is an issue until you cast it down. You can confess it and it still not have to be cast down. You, you've got to take that thought and say you're moving out of the house. I, I let you say, and the longer that thought stays, the harder it is. Because the, the baggage is greater. The bedroom is more decorated. The presence is more enjoyed. And to cast down that thought, it almost seems like you're losing a relative. You're losing a loved one. I've been, I've been angry for so long. I've been bitter for so long. I've been lustful for so long. I, I've been hurt for so long. I really don't want to kiss this goodbye. Now, let me, let me just ask you this tonight. Who's living up there? Who moved into your head? Who moved into your thoughts? Who's the permanent resident? Can you say every thought that I have permanently dwelling in my mind is submitted to Christ, honoring to God, and if not, it needs to be cast down. So that may be her that has stayed there towards an uncle or a dad, someone else in your past. It, it may be from a previous marriage or a parent, or a child. It may be an addiction formed in your youth. It may be a sin that no one else knows about but God alone. And it's hidden because you think it's only in my mind. The problem with that is it limits how much and to what degree God can use you. And Satan says... I'm, I'm convinced this is, the, this is why churches are not fulfilling their God-given purpose. 
because so many have made their minds a playground for Satan and they refused the first time that thought knocked and the second time and the third time. But eventually they opened up the door, built a room, made them an apartment. And that thought now is so deep-rooted. Even when that guest is mentioned, they just say, well, I've cleaned out every other room, but that guest is family. That guest is my invitee. That guest may bother you, but they don't bother me. And the only way to have victory is to say, you know what? I've got to ask this question. Is that thought that's become permanent, can God dwell in this house and coexist with that? And if not, I've got to make a conscious choice to get it cast down. There, there is a way here. And, and God says, you've got a battle, and this is the battlefield. It's, it's right here. It's not that person. It's not your past. It's not what you suffered. It's your mind and the fact that you've allowed the wrong thing in your life to take up residence, and now you've got the struggle of going into that room and pulling out that guest that should not be there and evicting him permanently. Casting down, let's read it together out loud. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's read one more verse. We'll be done. Philippians 4. We'll read verses 6 through 8. And may our prayer be this. Romans 19, uh, Psalms 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the what? The meditation of my heart be acceptable, God, in thy sight. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God in the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and what? How many want your hearts and minds kept by Christ Jesus? How many of you ever been in a state of mind where your mind was not being kept by God? Your heart, and you knew it, and you knew the answer, but didn't take the proper steps to be filled with the peace of God. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things, this is the filter of the mind. Young people, this is what goes on the front door, front porch of your mental dwelling space. So when that thought comes, you say, you know what? Here's the only guest invited into my house. If you're true, if you're honest, if you're just, if you're pure, if you're lovely, if you're of good report, if there's any virtue or praise in you, okay, come on in. Boy, that would, that would halt the gossip. That would turn off the TV. It would clean out our music. It would turn off social media. It would get rid of a few friends. We, we just got to put this right here, filter the front door. 
the sign on the post that says, okay, these are the ones that are invited in my house. It's not racist. It's not defamatory. It's not a microaggression. It's just biblical. So if you don't fit in the category, stay out. Because I want the peace of God, especially during these times, to protect my heart and mind. And those of us that are spiritual leaders, we've got to say, we've got to do a better job. Because at the end of the day, as the struggle gets worse and the world only gets crazier, the way to protect the mind of our household is not the way we think. Well, if we just stop listening to the news, everything will be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. Because Satan will still find another avenue into their hearts and minds. And when he finds his way into their minds, he'll control their emotions. And when he controls their emotions, he'll dictate their actions. You know what we have in the kids? Come to school and they're sad. And I'm angry. And I'm tired. And I'm hungry. And I'm sick of school. You know, after that thought produced the emotion, that now is going to produce the action. Laziness in school. Instead of saying, from the first time you wake up in the morning, guess what? We're controlling your thoughts, which will fix your emotions, that will produce right actions all day long. So we're having a good time. Let's sing a song. Praise God, we get to go to school. You didn't have to go to public school today. And mom made an amazing breakfast. And you can spend 30 minutes with me on the way to school. You are so blessed. Hallelujah. You determine the whole day by determining who just moved into their mind. 